0: Well good morning and happy Easter everyone. So I'm a little bit croaky. Uh we're here to work out uh what is so good about Good uh Good Friday, uh that we can gather in such numbers and in such great joy. How about I pray as we come to God's word? Father, we thank you for your love and we thank you for your word. We pray as we engage with it, we might understand just how magnificent uh, the Lord Jesus Christ is, and how a relationship with him is the best thing uh, we can have in life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If we've not met, my name is Joe Wilcher. I'm the Senior Minister at uh, St Barnabas here, and now also uh, with uh, Macquarie Fields or Glen Quarry Church down at uh, Edgar Street, Macquarie Fields. Uh, welcome today to our church on this Best of Fridays. It's a great day to be together one of the few chances that we get uh, for our whole church family uh, to come together. All of our five regular congregations, uh, I suspect, are represented here uh, this morning, which is tremendous. Uh, and we're delighted to be also joined by many of our, our family and friends and neighbours. It's a wonderful day, uh, a great day. But it's not only a great day because we're together. That's always good, uh, hanging out. It's a great day because of why we've come together. Because it's Good Friday. Now, for many in the broader community, that simply means it's just a public holiday. Uh, It's a short week, a chance to sleep in, a chance to mow the lawn or get away. It also means lots of opportunity for fun with chocolate and uh, hot cross buns and wearing silly hats, Uh, maybe a visit to the Easter show, Easter hat parades. Well, there's a couple people looking confused. Uh, Didn't you get the notice that it was Easter hat parade today? Oh, no, (laughs) Um, but I take it that there's got to be at least something more to it because there's a reason it existed and because we're all here together, not doing those other fun things, uh, riding at the Easter show or buying show bags. Now, in our society, there seems to be a great deal of confusion at the moment about Christianity. There's confusion about its place. It used to be that Christianity and churches enjoyed a level of respect and even vague support from the community, even if not everyone considered themselves uh, to be a Christian. Now it seems that Christians have become the moral outlaws in our community. A Christian man tweets uh, something, a quote from the Bible, and he's sacked amidst howls of rage as people bathe for his blood. Lobby groups are fighting tooth and nail for the uh <clears throat> uh for and against scripture remaining in our schools. Uh it's increasingly difficult to know what the outcome is going to be on the place of religious freedom uh, at all in the next few years and religious speech and uh, can, can we be mandated to say things or to think things even? And so it's all up in the air at the moment. But the confusion's even deeper than that. There's a massive confusion over what exactly Christianity is and what it stands for. I mean, the cynics might say that Christianity is about power and institution and money. And in some places, I think they might be right. Uh, There's a great deal of corruption in the church, as there is in any human institution, because it's made up of, well, people. (laughs) Um, Some say that Christianity is about being in touch with yourself uh, and uh, about emotional wholeness and being spiritual. It's just another form, one of many of self-help. Providing a, a form of navel-gazing meditation which helps you be centered. Uh, some say that's what Christianity is. Some people say that Christianity is about morality and moralism. It's about the Ten Commandments. Uh, not that many people can actually remember what all ten are if you sat there and went, okay, there's something about stealing and murder's probably bad and, yeah, uh, uh, there's some others as well. Anyway, we know we're not supposed to do them. But, uh, you know, unless they happen to contradict our postmodern Hollywood driven sensibilities, of course, then we can reject them. Some say that Christianity is about politics and that the church should primarily be a political lobbying group on behalf of the oppressed on social issues and work towards justice and anti slavery and pro feeding the world and all those kind of things. So that's what Christianity and the church should exist to do. Some people say that Christianity is about history that it's had its day, but the churches and the architecture and the things it once established are really valuable still as, as society's relics uh, and memories and so on. And so there's, there's a whole lot of different views about Christianity. Well, are they right? Certainly there are spiritual, moral, political and historical elements to Christianity, but I think we want to be clear this morning that uh, none of those things are the real centre of it. They're not at the heart of Christianity. See, the heart of Christianity is a relationship, a relationship uh, with the Lord of the universe, a new relationship which he offers and which goes beyond this life, beyond the grave and into eternity. It's a new relationship that's based on uh, forgiveness and mercy from his side to us and based on uh, trust and repentance from our side. It's a relationship that brings hope and joy and peace uh, and life, without which life won't make much sense and will certainly end badly, as we'll see today. And I want to show you that as we look at the events of the first Good Friday, the best of all Fridays, from the passage that was read to us by Andrew from uh, the Gospel of Luke, the biography that Luke wrote about Jesus uh, from chapter 23. And you might find it helpful to follow along uh, if you if you want to see uh, all that I'm saying is from the text. And I want to show you particularly by focusing on three characters, three of the people there. Of all the different people in this gruesome scene, and it is a gruesome scene even though it's familiar, uh, men are being put to death in a barbaric and horrible way, the worst way that humanity has ever come up with, uh, it's even worse than hang draw and quartering because that, at least that happens instantly you're dead uh, This one goes all day and even then they break your legs and speed it up a bit if it's gone for 24 hours um, And you suffocate to death But it, there's people all over the place, there's governors, kings, rulers, soldiers, onlookers, there's women But I want to look at the three people that day who died on top of that hill That's all I want to focus on this morning, the three men who died. All of them executed. There was Jesus and there were two others that died that day. All of them put to death by crucifixion. All of them tried and found guilty. But I think the three of them are about as different from each other as you could possibly imagine. Now, at first glance, you might think that the two criminals aren't so very different to each other. Uh, Both of them are suffering incredible pain. Both of them are guilty of crime. We find out in one of the other biographies of Gospels that they're both thieves. Uh, Both of them have been caught and tried and sentenced to death. Both of them see the sign above uh, the head of Jesus who's dying in the middle of them, uh, King of the Jews, and they see him hanging there. They both hear the words from his mouth at the end, Father, forgive them. And they both desperately want to be saved from death. They don't want to be there. It's not like the life of Brian where they're just hanging around and I've been crucified five times and my family will come and rescue me and it's all good and we just you know sing and whistle to each other, always look on the bright side of life. That's not what it's like. They do not want to be there and they're desperately hoping to be saved. But it's not just that they're similar to each other. They're also a bit similar to us because we've got lots of those same things in common with them. There has been, or there is, or there will be, uh, great suffering in our lives, right? And none of us can absolutely say, I don't deserve this. Most of us have seen Jesus on the cross or read about him. We know the sign above his head that makes him out to be the king. And we've heard his claims... And we've heard his gracious words of forgiveness. And all of us want to be saved from death one way or the other. And so we've got all that in common with them. But it's the differences between the two men I think really stand out in this account. And I think the differences are stark. They're as different as uh, the night is from day. And I just want to spend some time showing you uh, seven differences that I see between the two men who died either side of Jesus that day. The first difference is only one of them mocked Jesus. Uh, The crowds were booing, the soldiers threw in their two cents worth, but only one of the criminals who hung there was abusing Jesus. I mean, you imagine the hardness of the man. He's dying and he wastes his last precious moments of life slagging off the guy dying beside him. That's a hard man, isn't it? Uh, I don't know about you, but if I knew I was going to die tonight, I wouldn't waste my time, waste this last day insulting the neighbours. Uh, I'd be wanting to talk to those who are closest to me and said things right. I'd want to tell Alison and my kids that, that I love them. But this man, no apologies to his family, not a shred of remorse. And you can hear the sneer in his voice as he yells, Aren't you supposed to be the Christ? Rescue yourself and rescue us. Oh, he wants to get out of there. He doesn't want to die, but his request to Jesus isn't a real one. He's not somehow thinking, maybe he really is the king. Maybe he really is this Messiah. Oh, I'm sorry, I've just insulted you. Please, please get me out of here if you can. He's not saying that. It's not like that. It's it's just part of his mockery. But notice the other thief, the one that Luke wants us to be like. He's not taken in by the other guy who's ranting and raving and carry on. He didn't join in with the mockery. Uh, it's very easy, isn't it, when people are standing around having coffee at work, whinging about management or policy uh, or remarking on recent Twitter events, uh, to just join in with the crowd. But the second thief doesn't do that. He steps up, he's dying too, and he defends Jesus. And if we're to follow his example, the time will come when we'll have to stand our ground and not be sucked in by people around us who still mock Jesus and God. What did the second man do? Well, he turned to his partner in crime in verse 40 there, and he responded with a rebuke. Have you no fear of God? Have you no fear of God? And that's the second difference between the two men. And I think that's a huge difference. The second thief, he feared God. God was real to him. God was his creator. And he knew in his death, he'd come face to face with his maker. And he knew when that happened, he had a lot to fear. There'd be no arguing his way out of this one. There'd be no excuses, no defense. And he's right to fear because there's a reckoning to be had with God. It may have fallen out of fashion to talk about it, but we shouldn't avoid it because it's uncomfortable. Over and over again in scripture, we find the terrible indictment on all of us, on, on all humanity, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Now, that doesn't sound so bad, does it? Uh, except we're told again and again that we'll have to give an account before God for that, for our lives, for our actions, whether they're good or evil, for, for every idle word and every idle thought. Jesus says every white lie, every nasty thing that we've, we thought about our neighbours, every selfish action. And yet that's just what we're like, isn't it? And who we are. We can't help ourselves. I don't know if you've ever tried to, to go a whole week without doing anything, absolutely nothing wrong, right? And we're not just talking about the not doing the bad things, but, but being selfless and generous. And you see someone in need and think, I'm going to be there for them. It doesn't matter what it's going to take. Have have you ever tried to do that? Anyone? Oh, that's lame. That's <laughs> very difficult. In fact, I'd say it's impossible. Uh, a friend of mine's a minister, uh, another church. He was once hit up by a man after church who said, I disagree. I disagree with what you're preaching on. I think we can, if we try hard enough, live perfectly, if we really, really wanted to. And my friend said, well, okay, all right. You're up for a test. You want to try it. Uh, he said, okay, he said, well, go for a week, we're doing absolutely nothing wrong. Now, don't even worry about the doing, going the extra mile stuff, what about just not doing the bad stuff, not thinking bad thoughts, not telling lies, not not hurting anyone, not hating, not being greedy. The man, man said, okay, I can do it, uh, I'm going to do it. And he came back the next week and my friend said, well, how'd you go? He said, it's not fair, <laughs> I want another go. Uh, it was a bad week. I was sick. The kids were rotten. Things weren't easy at work. I, I want another go. My friend said, okay, all right, no worries. Okay, but how about this week? We make it just a little bit easier than that. Let's just make it no lying. Okay, forget the other stuff. Do what you want, uh, but no lying. Go for a week without telling a single lie, not even a little white one. And he went away. He thought, I can do this. And he came back the next week. His minister says, how'd you go? He said, it's not fair. Why is it not fair? I thought, you know, what's wrong? How come you, you, couldn't go for a week? He said, I'm a real estate agent. It's <laughs> <laughs> a true story. Actually. But it's just a simple example. But the scriptures are right when they say all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. If we want to be weighed on our efforts and goodness and morality The verdict is going to come back guilty. And the source of the problem is our hearts. It comes back to the fact that we want to be in charge. And we can't stand to think or accept that God might have the absolute right to rule me totally, completely. But He does. Because He made us. And He sustains us day by day. He deserves all our gratitude. He deserves all the glory in our lives. He gives us all that we need. He gives us more than we need. He provides for us abundantly. I mean, we are so blessed, aren't we? I mean, we have homes and families and food. We have uh, things that the, the nations of history would dream of. And what do we do with God's kindness and wisdom and goodness? We ignore him. We deny him. We defy him. We, we suppress the truth. We, we live as if we don't need him and it looks different in each and every one of us for for some that results in them shaking their puny little fists at god and and demanding him that he prove his existence and i don't believe you're there as if he hasn't already done that for some it's just he plays no part in in their lives he's just largely ignored for others it's Uh, playing make-believe and pretend with false religions and false spirituality and false gods or with crystals and astrologers and clairvoyants to suit themselves. For some, it's the gutlessness of agnosticism because it's just wimping out. For some, it's the hypocrisy and just pretending to be something that you're not. And God's grieved. God's grieved that people treat him like that. More than that, he's angry that people treat him like that. I mean, imagine if your kids treated you that way. And that is something to be afraid of. And the thief knows it. At the end of his days, he knows that he's going to have to reckon with God. And he is afraid. But there's a third difference. One of them thought he deserved better. The other one admitted that he'd done wrong. What does the second one say? Verse 41, we're receiving what we deserve for our actions. He had no desire to save face anymore. He had no more will to assert himself. He was there laid open before the God he feared. No way to hide his guilt. But fourth difference, not only did he admit to wrong and guilt, he accepted the punishment that he got as deserved. He says, we're here justly. I think that's the real test of humility before God. The second thief was humble. At least he was in the last few minutes of his life. He took his suffering without complaint. And though he feared God, he knew it was all completely fair. Fifth difference. One misunderstood Jesus. One of them understood Jesus completely. Perfectly. The second one, he knew that Jesus was completely innocent. Right? Just as Pontius Pilate has just declared the one who'd, um, sentenced them all there. Right? He knew he was innocent. He says he's done nothing wrong. We, we, we're criminals. We're getting what we deserve. He's, he's done nothing. But he also understood the sign above Jesus' head. That it was entirely correct. That Jesus is the King. God's King. Because he says he knows that Jesus is about to come into his kingdom. And so the sixth difference, the second thief does one more thing. He fears God. He admits he's wrong. He accepts the justice. He acknowledges the goodness and power of Jesus. And then he pleads for help. Jesus, please remember me when you come into your kingdom. And you know what? He found it. He found mercy. And that's the real end difference between the two. The difference that really exposes the heart of what Christianity is all about. Difference number seven, one of them died in his sins. The other went to paradise forgiven. How did Jesus respond to these two men with their vast differences? Well, to the first one, there's a fearful silence. Not a word recorded from Jesus to him. Perhaps there was a final pitying glance, but there's no promise and there's no hope. But to the second thief, the one who understood his predicament and who begged Jesus for mercy, he says, I tell you today, you'll be with me in paradise. I mean, it's almost too good, isn't it? You'll be with me in the Father's presence, in God's home. You'll be in eternal joy, completely undeserved, completely free, with no strings attached, forgiven, restored in paradise. Not some great pleasure cruise where we can live out our godless fantasies and do what we like with whom we like, but in a place of relationship and love, of of perfect relationship with other people who love Jesus too and with Jesus himself, the one who has given his love and mercy. And friends, that's what Christianity's heart is all about. It's a relationship with the Lord of the universe, an eternal relationship that goes beyond the grave, a new relationship uh, that starts now that's based on forgiveness and mercy uh, from his side and based on trust and repentance from our side. It's a relationship that starts the day you turn to Jesus like the thief and admit your helplessness and your need for Jesus to save you. And it's a relationship that's full of hope and joy, true hope and true joy because it's real. A relationship which shapes every day And it shapes all your actions and decisions. It's a relationship that's based wholly and solely on God's lavish generosity and mercy. You see, we need mercy if we're to ever be right with God. It's no use thinking I can make it on my own without Jesus. It's no use thinking I'll I'll just fall back on my own self righteousness. It'll it'll never be enough. You might think, well, I'm not a thief. I'm not being executed for my crimes, but you'll never be able to do enough. All I can do is follow the thief's example and say, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Well, we'd say, Jesus, remember me now that you're in your kingdom. And the promise of Jesus, not just here but throughout Scripture, is that he does and he will forgive those who honestly and earnestly call on him in trust and repentance and he says to us today who will trust him, you will be with me in paradise. You will be with me in paradise. And he can offer that free forgiveness because of what he was doing that very day. The reason he was there hanging on the cross. The reason that it was Good Friday. You see, when the righteous, innocent Jesus, who was God's king, died on that cross, it wasn't for his own sins that he was dying It was for ours. We heard that in uh, the reading from Isaiah, which was written hundreds of years before Jesus came to do it, that that's what he was going to come and do. And if you want to understand it, you remember remember as uh, kids uh, playing with magnifying glasses. Now, some of you are at the other end of the age spectrum. You may be using them again, but... uh, (laughs) You know, magnifying glasses... Uh, they're designed to make small things look big, you know, so you can read a bit or see the little insects and when you're studying them. Um, but you discover that they have more interesting uses than that. Uh, and you, you know, you can focus down light and turns out you can focus down heat as well. You know, down onto a single little point, a tiny pink brick. And, uh, and that leads to the real fun that you have with magnifying glasses, doesn't it, right? As you start to, to burn paper and leaves and Insects and small furry animals and and your sister sorry i 'm sure you never did such a thing, right never, never but that 's how the the cross works it 's as if God takes a gigantic moral magnifying glass, but instead of focusing down light, instead of focusing down heat, it focuses down sin. Onto one small point. It focuses it down in time and history onto Jesus. And all the wrath and the anger that God feels towards human sin was focused down onto Jesus. And he bore the full brunt of it all. All of the sins of the world. All of my sins and your sins. Everybody's sins. Past. Present future he took it upon himself and that wrath and that punishment fell on him that was due and he did it all the sins of the world down under him because he loves us that deeply he doesn't want us to be destroyed as we deserve he, he loves you that much he loves me that much that, that that's what's happening on the cross he was dying there for our sins now, many of us might know that as a catchphrase half remembered from Sunday school. You know, oh, of course, Jesus died for my sins. But, but can you feel and sense the, the weightiness of that and the majesty of that, the sheer unambiguous grace of it all? Jesus died for our sins. What we need is, not to cope with sin, it's not to manage sin, it's not to legislate against sin, it's not to tolerate sin. What we need is to be forgiven of our sins. Jesus forgives sins. Jesus looks at a woman who's caught in adultery and he says to her, daughter, your sins are forgiven. He looks at the paralyzed man on a mat who's lowered through a roof and he says to him, you don't need your legs fixed, Son, your sins are forgiven. People question Jesus, how he could go into the homes of sinners and eat with them. And, and he says, without, without exception, today salvation has come to this home because I came to seek and to save what was lost. Let me be brutally honest with you for a minute. Our society, with all its confusion about Christianity, it pretends that the issues that it has are academic ones, that there's not enough proof for it, that there's not enough evidence for Jesus, that how could you trust the Bible? It's not true. It's just, it's a lie. There's more than ample evidence for the reliability of scriptures and for the historicity of Jesus, even for his death and his resurrection. I mean, if you want, if you really think that you've got issues with that, we can sit down I can show you. It's not a fairy tale. It's not folklore. It's not... You know, Grimm's fairy tales, right? Or Aesop's fables, or anything like that. In fact, I mean, there's a, there's this rumour going around that Easter was appropriated from the pagans, that it was the, you know, the god, you know, oyster or Astara kind of thing. You know who came up with that? Jacob Grimm. Right? In the 1800s. Do you believe the other Grimm fairy tales? That they actually happened? Cinderella? You know? Would, and yet it's pandied around as fact, right? It's just nonsense. Easter's there because Jesus died on a cross for our sins and he rose again from the dead. And we want to celebrate that. <laughs> for the majority of us, we don't have the academic problems. They're just a handy excuse so we don't have to face the truth about ourselves, which is our real problem is We just have hard hearts. We just don't care. Jesus says, I love you. And we say, I don't know if I need that. Jesus says, I'll tell you the truth. The truth about eternity. The truth about yourself. The truth about God. And we say, our truth, it's all relative. Jesus says, I'll forgive your sins. And we say... I'll figure that out myself when the time comes. Jesus says, I know. I know what lies beyond the grave. I came from there. I've defeated death. I'm there now. And we say, I'll give him my gut. I'll figure it out. You know, maybe, uh, Kerry Packer was right. I don't know. I mean, not that he died after he, you know, came back and <laughs> anyway, Jesus says, come with me. And we say, No, I'll go with myself, thanks very much. It's dumb, it's arrogance, it's just sheer pride. Some say that Christianity is the easiest religion in the world because all you've got to do is believe. But it's the hardest because you've got to be humble in order to believe. You have to come to the end of your own efforts. You've got to admit that you can't make it on your own, that you need someone else to save you. You have to receive what Jesus has done. Everything else is self-righteousness and an attempt to earn your own salvation and Jesus will have none of it. He'll have none of it. You don't need to be better. You need to be loved. You don't need to straighten out your life. You need a whole new life. You don't need to find your way to God. He's been looking for you. You don't need to earn your way. You need to be forgiven. You don't need to die. You can live. You don't need to go to hell. You can go to heaven. It comes down to one question, doesn't it? Will you stake your life like the second thief did on Jesus? Will you trust him that he's got your future in his hands? And as we gather here this Good Friday and cut through all the confusion about Christianity I call you today not to an institution that seeks power and money and control. I call you not to a new age spirituality and finding yourself. I call you not to moralism, nor to politics, nor to enjoy the history and the architecture of this beautiful facility. I call you to the king to the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who died for you and who has risen and conquered death and defeated sin and death and the devil. He is alive and well and he's here today and he's handing out love and grace and forgiveness. That's why he died for you on that cross. And I'm sure that's why he's brought you here today, that you might come to him. Don't be like the first thief who mocked and cajoled, who had no fear of God And who died in his sins. Be like the second thief who came to realise the truth about himself. He realised the truth about Jesus. And he begged for mercy and he received it. Though he died that day as well as the other. He didn't die in his sins. He died forgiven with hope and comfort. And the joy of knowing he would dwell with Jesus in his kingdom in paradise. Jesus is good for his word. Jesus is good for his word. Let me lead us in prayer. Our Father, we want to thank you for this amazing day where we can come together and enjoy each other's company and catch up with old friends and meet people across the congregations and across the community. We thank you for the joy of that and for the celebrations and the chocolate and the fun. We thank you, though, especially for the Lord Jesus Christ, the reason we have gathered here today, to remember... What he has done for us and that he is God and full of love and mercy. We thank you that our sins have been forgiven when we trust him because he died that day. Father, please help us to be like the second thief and place all of our hopes in him to trust Jesus and to say to him, remember me when you come. Well, now that you're in your kingdom, father, please love us. Please have us back. Forgive us and have mercy on us. In Jesus' name, amen.